This is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 275 of The Sausage Factory. It's a bit of a milestone, I guess. Almost at 300. It will be this year, trust me. It's going to happen. Anyway, in this episode, I talked to Jake Burkett of Grey Alien Games about their car-based action-adventure game, Ancient Enemy. So without further ado, I'll hand you over to me from the not-so-distant past. Chris, if you'd be so kind. Jake. Hello, Chris. Hello, again. Uh, it's those, a pleasure to be back. Yeah, for those of you who don't know and, and uh, didn't listen to episode 170 back in December 2017 when Jake was, was on the show uh, uh, talking about Shadowhand, um, please tell us, who are you and what do you do? All right, Chris. I'm an indie game developer. I went indie in 2005. I've made a whole bunch of games. And uh, I'm just about to ship my 12th uh, indie game. I may have shipped it by the time your listeners hear this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of what I do. I work at home in the UK. Uh, I've made a few games, quite a lot of games on my own, and some with my wife, and Ancient Enemies in collaboration with some other people. So Yeah, yeah. So I think the thing that strikes me um, uh, about... The, the, the what you've made here and what with ancient enemy is just just the atmosphere is quite all pervading and we're going to delve into that in the second half of the show but before we do let's talk a little bit about not the normal questions i ask guests because like i said we've been through this before with jake it's kind of rude to ask him you know how did he make his start well, he's already told us, you know, what his biggest influences are well, again we know and it's all this sort of stuff so I'm going to ask you the fifth question of the first half, which most listeners know, is uh, what are you playing right now? Oh, okay. Um, the funny thing is, yeah. I when I finish work, I come off the PC and I play quite a lot of games on my PlayStation 4 nice. because it's in a different room and, you know, I get to, to have a break. Um, well, actually, I'm playing two sets of things. This is maybe a clue. Uh on the PC, I'm actually playing quite a lot of city builders at the moment. Nice. Okay. Well, as just, a matter of interest. Is that city skylines or just, just general All city, sorts. All sorts of... Yeah, I've got a folder of like 20 or 30 of them that I'm the, blasting my way through just to kind of see what they are like and what they do. But that's giving a lot away that I don't want to give away yet. No. Uh, I've it. got some announcements further on which are related to that. On the PS4, though, I'm playing... Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, which is a glorious game. I love it. Mm. 
Wow. Um, I, I have it on the Xbox, uh, but it doesn't matter. Wonderful game. You're absolutely right. It, uh, it's, it, it's the world detailing and the level of granularity they've put into that is it's astonishing, isn't it? It is quite something. And I'll tell you what I found interesting is after playing it, sometimes I'd be, you know, spend a couple of days having not played it. And I'd be like, oh, what was that movie about cowboys I was watching the other day? Or, you know, um, and I suddenly realized, oh, it was that game I was playing. It's so immersive. Yeah. And I th- that I actually keep, you know, I feel connected to that game world more than almost any I've played. Um, and I think it's because of the pace of it, the fact that you have to walk around or ride your horse around and you stop and look at things and you have these conversations while you go from A to B. And it really draws you in, I think. And I think the writing's excellent as well. Uh, more than pretty much any game I've played like like that. I, I, to the extent where I was going around my own hometown and I was thinking, I need to find a barber's and get a haircut. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and if you know me, I've actually got very long hair and I don't ever really get my hair cut. But it's because I knew my character in the game needed a haircut and I was looking for a barber in the town. And that crossed over in, into reality for me. So wow. that yeah. was pretty strange. Right? That's like people walking around um, certain historical cities like Paris and they've been playing Assassin's Creed and like, I could climb. No, you can't. No, you can't climb. Yeah, no, don't no. try that. Yeah. No, you'll, you'll, you'll do your back in or do something horrific trying to do what uh, what uh, the uh, character in uh, Assassin's Creed does. Uh, and they're an extraordinary set of games, but that's another discussion for another time. But yeah, good shout on Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, it's, a, yeah, it's an extraordinary experience that just keeps on giving the more you pour into it. It's one of those. And uh, it's a triumph, isn't it, of gaming? It, I do, it is, yeah. And I did play uh, Red Dead Redemption. I was going to say the original, but that's not true because that's Red Dead Revolver, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I played Red Dead Redemption on the Xbox 360 when I lived in Canada. And I loved that whole experience. And so I naturally had to get this one. Um, you know, and it's very good. I did also try out Control the other day. Um, oh, yeah. It was on sale on PS4. And it... it it's kind of interesting, but mm-hmm. it isn't immersing me as much as RDR2, to be honest. So I'll, I'll go back to it and have another go. Um, but it seems mechanically way less, you know, uh, in-depth, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I, I quite liked it. Um, but I never finished it, though. I need to get back onto it. But, yeah, mm. um, I think, uh, yeah, my – I mean – it came out kind of Christmas time, isn't it? Or just before. And uh, for me, my Christmas game was... Because um, I always have one, the one you dive into. Mm. And it was uh, Outer Wilds. which is Oh, a lot of people have said good stuff about that. And it's it's definitely on my watch list. Yeah. What I actually got a year after it came out was I bought Resident Evil 2. Oh, uh, the remake. Right. The remake, yeah. I've got that too. Yes, that's um, it, it, Oh, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, very good. It's in my pile of shame. I need to fix that. You, oh, you'll enjoy it. It was pretty spectacular, I've got to say. Um, nice. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Mm. We, um, My sister show, the Kane and Rinse show, did a feature on the, did one of the recent episodes was on Resident Evil uh, update. And uh, yes, they waxed lyrical about it. They were very enthused. So yeah, it looks like I need to, because they did like the original. It was good. It was good. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, of course, Resident Evil 3 came out last week and i was actually going to launch ancient enemy on april 2nd right. but when i looked up and i saw resident evil 3 on the third i thought no you know 
this is foolish trying to sort of launch yeah. the same week as week. Because years ago, I launched um, Regency Solitaire mm. the same same day as The Witcher Three, which is obviously, you know, I know there may not be a giant audience crossover, but nevertheless, it just took up all the oxygen in the room, sort of thing. Yeah, so, that's that's frustrating. It's a good game, though. That's an understatement. Oh yeah, but. but um, <laughs> You know, it's, uh, I mean, look at it. It's like a TV show. What the hell? How? You tell someone, like, they're going to make a TV show, like, this is a very bad idea. Oh, wait. <laughs> it, it, it turned out all right, I thought. I know, think so. it did. I think people will be confused. Yeah. Like, well, why is he going off? Well, he's, he's doing a side quest. I yeah. sit there going, yeah, oh, he's doing a side quest now. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I, I've done uh, and I actually thought uh, the actor, uh, you may recall his name, um, he did a pretty good job, actually. I thought, yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> he did. Henry Carville, I think his name is. Yeah. That's the chap. Yeah, yeah, you know, ex Superman, ex Superman, uh, and Tizzle Jawed yeah. Fellow. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a massive nerd as well. He plays um, the Total War games, the uh, Warhammer Total War games. Apparently, he's played all of. The I races. had, I yeah, I'd heard about that, and and he did seem to embody the character pretty well, and even the physicality of him, you know, in the fights and so on, it was excellent. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that's is really good, but no, good good shout on Red Dead and uh, yeah, I mean I, I've got stuff to, but it's Easter and we're kind of doing stuff indoors for reasons that we're not going to go into because it's just, just yeah. pleasant. If you don't if you don't mind me saying, um, but you know we are indoors. Uh, I'm actually going to be playing a bit of Bridge Commander for on Star Trek for the PSVR. That should Ooh, be good fun okay. um, mm-hmm. over the weekend. So, but anyway, well that's enough about that. Like I said, if you want to hear what Jake has done. And his background and stuff, you can delve into episode 170 way, way, go back to the Wayback Machine or just go into the archives and you'll find it. It's awesome. So, but, uh, so rather than do that again, let's uh, go into the second half. I know it's a little bit early, but you know, it's the way things are. Let's go into the second half of the show where we delve deep into Ancient Enemy. question jake so with your question it's a request what is ancient enemy okay this is where i should have my elevator pitch perfectly planned out um ancient enemy is we're calling it an rpg card battler okay 
Um, and essentially, what we've done is we've got our previous game, Shadowhand, which some of your uh, listeners may not have played. And that was a, a solitaire combat system, which, you know, sounds pretty novel, and that's because it is. And we revamped it for Ancient Enemy, and we, we tweaked it around a bit. So, uh, you know, it's an adventure game where you play a mage that, that um, has to defeat their ancient enemy, and they travel across a sort of uh, ruined landscape, fighting all kinds of twisted enemies um, in order to do that. But the, the core of it is you play this um, very unusual and fun uh, solitaire turn-based combat uh, with a huge variety of different sort of emergent mechanics uh, that make it very good fun, uh, you know, as you sort of blast the enemy and defend yourself and use special abilities and stuff like that. Um, and that's what the game is. It's a single-player game with a story, unlike sort of a lot of these uh, deck-building games, which are multiplayer or free-to-play, whatever. This is, you know, an experience that you play through and go, that was great, maybe I'll try it on nightmare mode, you know. Yeah. That, does that sum it up, do you think? I think so. There's some nuance there we're going to delve into. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I think it's summed up pretty well. Um, it's a single-player uh, card game experience, which you can do in actually... There's so much analogue card games. I think Death Angels, that's one that Fantasy Flight did many years ago for the uh, Space Hulk based on the Space Marines, and that's quite fun. And not more or less impossible, you know, hmm. I found. It's very difficult. But, yeah, uh, just uh, single-player card games are... are a rarity, uh, but to have them a digital version is is awesome, uh, and I it's yeah you you play around with the fact you're playing a video game rather than real cards, and therefore you can just do all sorts of crazy stuff, um, yeah. Which is which is good fun, but it's still ultimately at its heart a really quite um, uh, um, elegant card game, which I quite like. It could be a physical card game, and you could play it as such. Mm. Um, but obviously, it wouldn't look as fancy, you know, no. uh, because of the animations and special effects, and the, you'd have to put a soundtrack on in the background if you were to. You know, <laughs> I was thinking more of how you lay out the cards. Some of you, they put them in fans, and, and you put it, it would take a while. Wouldn't it would it? Yeah. take a bit of a while. So that's what I was thinking. Now, you said it's a combat game, but it's all. It's an adventure, it's an RPG, you have a character, you, 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 I won't give, up, give away too much, but bad things have happened. It looks like mm-hmm. the bad guys have won, and mm-hmm. uh, you wake up in a world that's, it's, it's, you know, it's not warm and fuzzy, it's pretty bad. And um, you, are, you then set out and go, well, I better fix it then, as you do. And uh, I just want to talk about the... The mechanics of when you're in combat. I realise just everyone understands that it's not just combat you use the cards in. There are times when you're doing skill checks, just like in regular role-playing games. And when you're doing skill checks, you're trying to discover something, or discover a relic, or discover some, or search for an item, a very powerful item. You also go through this card system, but we'll talk about that later. But I just want to talk about the the adversarial combat, which is is really. You have to have your wits about you, and I exploit the fact about it is turn-based. Bear with me. So mm-hmm. the timing and defence mechanism does explain to the player how they should be reacting each turn. Is it correct to say that Agent Enemy was built around this concept in terms of its combat? Um, yes, it was. I mean, obviously it was based upon Shadowhand mm. in the sense that in that game, 
you played the cards to charge up your weapons so you could whack the enemy, and then the enemy would play the cards and charge up their weapons and whack you, right? Mm. Um, yep. And what, what we've done, which is a very big departure, is we've said, okay, the enemies in Ancient Enemy, they no longer play the cards. Only you do. So you've got complete control over the board, but what happens is the enemy's cards just charge one charge per turn. So yep. eventually, you know, they automatically get an attack or a defense ready and of course you can see that happening because they're charging up slowly and then also the enemy sort of indicates its next move to you and because you're a mage you can divine what they're going to do and you then can act appropriately so you can either defend or attack and there's risk and reward for each one or maybe throw something or refresh the layout so there's a whole bunch of different options you can do each time and so it was built around that um this this interplay uh, between you know you controlling the cards that's that's the random element is what cards come up next but you've got a lot of strategy about how you play them and which card you choose based on which action you want and there's not always a clear i must do this sometimes you must defend but other times you know there are other other options yeah i just found it fascinating because especially when you know i was like a mage and i've encountered an enemy that had 20 plus hit points and i've only got like 13 or something and I was like, I'm going to get squished. I went, hmm, actually, no, I'm not. They are. Because they're just a yeah. big sponge of damage and nothing else. And then really proceeded to unleash hell. Um, because um, it's it, the, the, the act of creating combos and stuff, we're going to talk about it in one of the later questions, um, is, is, is vital in succeeding. And when playing yes. Ancient Enemy, I've found it's, it's vital. Now, another thing I want to talk about, and uh, I find these very one of the most entertaining parts of the game, well, in regardless of what you're doing when you're in, in the card play, which is the majority of the time. There is a little mini-map that you go around and do exploration and stuff, but it's really mm-hmm. triggers for these encounters with these cards. So knowing when to use special abilities... I believe is a quite important part of Ancient Enemy as well. Yep. Um, how have you found informing the player of this, if at all? What have you done? What, and I th- I'm, again, most of these questions I hope I know the answer to, but what do you believe you've done to inform the player that, you know, you think you got yourself into a cul-de-sac, but if you did that, you won't be in one anymore. So tell us what have you done to advertise this? Yes. Well, I, I try to add, you know, a decent tutorial to the game. And, and you always have to sort of um, not over-teach, but not under-teach either. And, of course, the difficulty there is it's different for every person. So some of the tutorials in the game uh, are fixed, and other ones are a bit more dynamic based on the situation you're in um, and how the partners, you know, the player is doing. Um but one of the things I do very early on is I, I, you have an ability and I point at it and I say, use this. You know, you can use this now. And that at least teaches you you can use it. But a lot of it is I think I want players to experiment, right, and figure stuff out and begin to formulate their own strategies. And I think it takes at least an hour or like three chapters before players really begin to start to see the possibilities and how the abilities can even interact with each other, some of them later on. Uh, you know, have emergent properties if you use them with each other or other such things. So 
I haven't done a whole load of teaching, actually. I've kind of let players discover stuff, but I don't know if that's the answer you were thinking of. Do you I mean the thinking, you mean the act? Yeah. yeah, I think, for example, you get little purple cards that they appear yes. on the bottom left-hand corner bit, uh, or mm-hmm. the centre, sort of just over to the left. And they blink. They blink at you. Like, oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking, like, oh, you might want to, you don't have to, but don't forget I'm here. Just saying. And, you know, yes. I'm not going to vanish. I will, you know, stay in your hand. That's cool. But, um, you know, eventually it might be nice to just rather than, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a phenomena uh, that, I, that I call, um, it's called the BFG effect. BFG effect is uh, you have the BFG, but are you ever going to fire it? Are you? Mm. And, and you just don't know when's the optimum time to fire your BFG. The answer is probably yes, but not at the single yeah. fire demon. That's a bad idea. Mm. Um, and it's just knowing, you know, it's just that hoarding of those powerful items. And I don't. Yeah. Think... Go on. Sorry, Jake. Well, well, and yeah, and so they flash all the time. And furthermore, they charge every round at the beginning. So they're mm. there each time. Yeah. And so you don't use them up. And that's a pretty clear indication to players that, hey, these things are here to be used. Mm. And if, mm. if you don't use them, you won't get giant combos and you won't be able to smash the enemies and sometimes in one turn. Yeah. Um, so they are key, but it's also key to using them at the right time. And each one has pros and cons. And there are definitely optimum strategies for using them, depending on what's on the layout and depending on what you need, you know, um, whether you need a defense card or an attack card, you know, for example. Yeah, and um, I just found some of them are really powerful, like the Will of the Wisp one, which you get them quite early on. Um, but mm-hmm. that's a lovely one because you shuffle everything. Like, you can't do anything this deck, right? It's all rubbish. Why you just shuffle it then? Go on. Yep. You might actually unlock yep. it then. Another thing that I glow is the refresh layout button. That's a new addition that we added to Shadowhand because... Um, what we found is, you know, in Shadowhand, you could get to the end of a layout and be struggling over the last one or two cards. So what you can do now is strategically refresh the layout once during a duel um, yeah. and then get a new new set of cards. And obviously, you don't want to do that if you've got a decent attack lined up. But if you've got nothing decent to do, you can refresh. Um, yeah. And that button glows as well. Yeah. Honestly, in Ancient Enemy, it's all about timing and knowing when to create those combinations and lay them on top of each other and it's just it's it's yeah i'm, I'm going ahead of myself because my last question there but i'm going to talk about the two aspects is really the the uh, character building element of it uh of ancient enemy and also the the single use items that you get mm-hmm. um how have you found balancing that aspect where you get these rather powerful and very useful and actually, you know, can get you out of serious trouble if you use them in the appropriate point. Um, and with the, 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 the inherent passive abilities of the character as they grow uh, whilst maintaining a sense of challenge throughout the game. Well, I spent a lot of time balancing the game. Right. Um, you know, I didn't throw... I didn't throw this together and just pick numbers out of the air. No. Um, one of the things I did for Shadowhand was I developed uh, a sort of AI testing system because in Shadowhand, obviously, the enemy could play the cards, and I kept that 
in Ancient Enemy, but it's it's hidden. Your player never sees it. But when I I'm able to run a test, and then an AI player plays against the enemy, and that that then tells me um, how well they can play against an enemy with certain values, you know, certain attack and defense values. But then what I could do was try out each of the different consumable items, so the bombs and the potions, and see what effect they had on a duel. You know, whether they ended uh, gave you a decent chance of winning so let's say we had a 50 50 duel but you take a strength potion in with you and then you there's a 64 it changes the chance of winning to 60 40 right um and then i made sure that all of the other ones were balanced appropriately um to that so there wasn't any giant sort of outliers um and and i did the same with all of the skills in the skill tree you know i checked that each skill had its use um and wasn't overpowered or underpowered really um, and I'm able to do that by running the battle with this AI, you know, like a, a 500 times in a minute and looking at the results, then changing something, then running it again. So I've done that with this code, but I've also obviously tested it and other people have tested it quite a lot, beta testers. And there may still be things, you know, we tweak the numbers on and parameters on as people discover stuff after it's released, uh, you know we may say, okay, maybe you shouldn't have a full hand of jokers. You can get up to nine. Maybe in nightmare mode, you should only be allowed three, for example. Mm. Um, there, there are things like this I'm already thinking about, right? But at some point, you have to release the game and see how people get on with it. Yeah. And, and, and one thing, for example, is some players don't use many of the gear items, the potions and bombs, and they end up with a big stack of them at the end of the game. But that's classic RPG hoarding, right? Um, and other people do use quite a lot. But perhaps perhaps there's a bit too many in the game, you know. Um, perhaps I could have made them rarer. Things like that, you only sort of gain hindsight in once the hole is made, you know. <laughs> uh, and then you get I, to the... I quite like them, uh, their, their frequency at the moment, uh, from my experience mm. of the game. Uh, from, uh, with, uh, it's just in... It adds... Just that bit of more texture to Ancient Enemy. Yes. Yeah. Just, just that bit of more... Because otherwise it could have been quite um, quite bland, which is not fair to mm. say, but how can I put it? Mm. It adds that... There's all, I mean, they are very, very powerful. And they can like, oh, I can, I can actually... Uh, if I take this, I can uh, add another three or four attacks before the enemy even retaliates. You know, that's that kind of yep. thing. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's really quite powerful, that one. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I quite I quite like the frequency at the moment. I haven't really come to, to a point where I'm going, huh? I, I'm just walking through this. The game's playing itself. No, this is not JRP League PG land. Which this is what happens with those games if you're not careful. But, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying you may build up a stockpile of them. You may not. It depends on your play style. Yes. Uh, you know, I think to a certain extent, really. You know, all players when they play a game somehow. Not all players, but many players seem to imagine that that everybody else plays the same as them, and it's mm. clearly not the case. When I look at the log files that I get back, some players blast through with massive combos and find normal mode quite easy, and some people struggle with it, right? Yeah. But then yeah. that's why there's a relaxed mode for those people, and that's why there's a nightmare mode for the people that are finding it too easy, right? So. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. my final question for you. Is um, and again, all good things must come to an end. But uh, it's efficiency. Efficiency is its own reward. We're told. Uh, but typically, 
in uh, Ancient Enemy, it's rewarded by creating these extraordinary combos. We get these lots of powers, and the more efficient you are clearing the deck of the table of of of, of the tableau of cards before you, um, you are rewarded for that. Um, can you explain? how this is such an important thing that players should aim for because it's often I'm sitting there going oh wait I should have done a five there so you know what I've done (laughs) yeah so could tell us about that how it's sort of anchored around what I believe to be is a kind of efficient way of clearing the, the tableau Sure. So, I mean, back when we made Regency Solitaire and even years ago when I made Fairway Solitaire for Big Fish Games, one of the key things that people loved was getting combos. Okay, so combos mean, you know, uh, you can play a certain number of cards in a row without requiring a new card from the stockpile. And so you can build up a sequence. And, um, you know, if if I get my AI to sort of try to to build up a sequence, it can do okay on certain levels, but players can do, always do better if they use their brains, because you know you think, well, I just I just pick up this five, but if there's two fives, you have to think, well, hang on a minute, which of these fives is going to reveal the most cards, or is there something under under it that I can see already? Is there another number under it which I can use in a future run? And then you have to start to think in the battles, actually, do I want this five, which is a melee, or this five, which is a defense? You know, yeah. which of those do I need the most at the moment? Um, but, but if you pick your cards carefully and then you chuck in your abilities and your worm cards, which are these jokers, your wild cards, as it were, you can then start to build up really quite a huge combo. And because that's fun, it is just inherently fun. Um, and it's satisfying seeing how big a combo you can get. We've built that into the attacks and defenses, so you obviously do more damage than your standard damage when you've, you've got a combo. It's like overcharging it, right? Um, and then you get to smash the enemy um, for much more damage than usual. And I also added an extra thing where if you get a combo of 10 whilst hitting the enemy, you sometimes get a secondary effect on your spell. So the ice spell might slow the enemy, for example, or um, the earthquake spell might uh, debuff the enemy's attacks, right? And so there are rewards for getting high combos. And on the puzzle levels, the high combos um, give you more power, which you then use in the equivalent of the shop to learn new spells um, at the end of each chapter. So we just tried to make that as fun as, uh, as possible, really. And the game kind of centers around that, really, as it's a natural effect of the, the randomness of solitaire. But you get to steer that, right? It's not just... if. It, Plain solitaire is just a bunch of cards and you see what you can do with a combo. But when it comes down to like, I can use a joker now or an ability now, it starts to get really interesting. And some some people play it and think, oh, you just click numbers. And they don't realize that there's a huge amount of micro strategy in how you play those cards, as well as a sort of wider scope strategy of the, the way you can influence them with your abilities and so on. So I know I think it's really fun and there's a lot of risk and reward and I think we succeeded in making a really interesting, fun-to-play uh, game in Ancient Enemy. No, absolutely. Um, just find it uh, interesting that you're actually rewarding people for figuring out the patterns and plotting forward. And it's like, oh, look, you just revealed a two there, and you've got a three below. There you go. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And it's just, But you're right. It's When you're in combat, the amount of times I've hovered over, well, do I want a lightning bolt five or do I want a defense? I don't know. 
I mean, mm. I need. He's only got four hit points left. Yeah, but I've only I've got nothing charged in the spell, and he's going to hit me in a minute. Okay, fine, defense, fine, fine. Yeah, you know that kind of like decision. And this is, and then you you reveal that, but it's quite common. I used what I call the solitaire strategy of, well, I can reveal the five, but I know what's underneath it, and what's underneath it I don't need, but the other five, yes. yeah. I don't you know. Don't what, know what's there. I don't, yeah. don't know what's there, so I'm as well go over there because it's just random. Could be anything. Could be something useful. Yep. Um, it could also, be a skull card or a shield or a recharge or a worm or, or a number you need. Yes. Yeah, it could be anything. All those things, are, whereas the other one's like, well, it's just got a three in it. I mean, it's rubbish. No offence mm. to the card, but it's not going to help me. Uh, unless I put a worm down and then it will be. Again, there's all this stuff it's just, that happens quite a lot. You know, When I've got like a stack of two or three worms, I'm going, I've got this. He hasn't got a chance. I've got this. Yeah. Because I can basically annihilate this whole tableau, and then got a, got a hope in hell. So has got uh, a hope in hell. Yeah. But did you try? Did you try the temporal card? This is the card in which, when you play, hmm. the damage that it does is based upon the last playing card you played. I thought that was a pretty neat card. That is quite yeah. That's that you did, you get that quite early as well. Was I surprised that? I thought, yeah, wow. I wanted to show show that off really because it was right. a pretty cool idea, and it's also in there for players who want to think even more, right? Because you can just stick with your fire and ice and charge them up and whack the enemy, and that's fine. But if you're prepared to really think carefully about how you play, you want to try and land on finish on an eight or a nine, and then you'll obviously do a lot more damage, especially if that's comboed up. But that yeah. requires you to plot your strategy even more than mm. normal normal gameplay. So it's not for everyone, but for the players that want to do that, the option is there. Yeah, those who can see the patterns. Yeah, um, I struggle with seeing patterns. Me and Euro board games, I'm the worst. I'm just like, I don't know. Oh, I can buy a pig. I'll buy a pig. But it's not going to get any <laughs> points. Like, yeah, but I can buy a pig. Oh, I shall buy a pig. And then like, I've got a pet pig now. That's not going to get any points. But I've got a pig, you know, that kind of thing. It's just reacting to what's going on rather than seeing patterns. Sure, do, but that's okay for, yeah. for players as well. In this game, they can say, well, I want to use the fire because it looks cool. Or, yeah, yeah I want to try out this curse. I want variation. So yeah. you've got the, some players want the vibe and the variation. And the game has got a good vibe, got good sounds, good music, mm. great art. Um, and, the you know, some players want to min-max and pick the absolute optimum thing to win the fight. And the game lets you do do either um which is good i feel by the way i should mention the other team members if i may please do yes so there's jim rossignol who um he wrote the story and he did the art direction so he worked with jen patterson who's a scottish artist and she did the backgrounds and the enemies and then we've got a chap called dan emerson who did the cards and the ui so we had sort of two artists working on different aspects. And Charlie Higgins uh, made the music. Uh, Jim actually made the sound effects. And then I sort of edited them and put a few in of my own. Nice. Um, so it's a, it's a real team effort. And uh, for those of you who have maybe heard of Jim, he did um, Sir, You Are Being Hunted. Is that what it's called? Yes, I think. yes, yes. Uh, Very... And then I always get it confused. And then The Signal from Tolva and... Um, the light keeps us safe, I think, was the most recent one of his. But, mm. well, now it's Ancient Enemy. That's the most recent one yes, of his. Yes, <laughs> indeed, yeah. No, I do. And he used to be a journalist as well back in the day. So, yeah. He did for, yeah. for Rock, Paper, Shotgun, yeah. That's right, yeah. And then before then, PC Zone. Wow, all that stuff. 
thousands of years ago. But yeah, he's 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 done well for himself for actually writing uh, extraordinary stories for extraordinary games. Um, mm. And mm. Uh, yeah, um, so, so, so yeah. I was going to say, actually, so he worked on this project uh, at the beginning with me, with, with the team. Mm. Uh, but, but the idea was it was going to be a six-month game, believe it or not. And we got the budget together and we got the art and everything done. And it was all ready or, uh, and plugged in the game. But then I spent another year working on it, on my own, wow. essentially, um, just balancing it, building out all the levels making sure it was fun, making sure it was finished and polished. And that was that's my failing and my gift at the same time is spending the time making sure it really is good. I didn't want to just chuck something out the door. So, um, yeah, so Jim sort of moved on to other projects. Meanwhile, as of the rest of the team, well, I just finished it. But finally, it's ready and it's, you know, it's out on Thursday the 9th yeah. of April. Yeah. No, it's... Um... And we're recording this on the day before, so thanks, Jake, for that. You're probably quite anxious. But uh, it's an exceptional game. I really do. It's it's thoroughly entertaining. Ancient Enemy is out now on... um, Is it Windows PC at the moment? Yeah, just PC on Steam at the moment. Yep. And by Grey Alien Games. I'm not sure if I asked you this before. Where's the name come from? Oh, (laughs) good question. Um... Okay, I I admit that I was a bit of an X-Files fan in the 90s. And, you know, I even used to read these very obscure um, UFO magazines and stuff at the time. Okay. Um, You know, a load of rubbish, of course, you know, but there were things like when the face on Mars might have really been a face on Mars in Cydonia because we we didn't have high resolution images of it Mm. and stuff like this. Um, And it's all, you know mostly bunk who knows but anyway i was into the um the idea of gray aliens and it was just some name i came up with 15 years ago right gray nice. alien games i just thought it sounded cool yet none of my games have had an alien in them yet so there's something wrong there yeah well you know only a matter of time i guess um <laughs> but uh jake it's been wonderful having you on again um, you've been a wonderful guest as always and of course you're welcome to return a third time we've had 4th or 5th return weekend guests already because the show's been going for that long uh, which I'm happy to say but uh, yeah Good. thanks very very much for coming on best of luck with Ancient Enemy and all your future endeavours and more I say welcome to come back to chat about whatever new stuff that you're going to make in the future Wonderful. Well, thanks, Chris. I'm glad you enjoyed the game and thanks for having me on the show. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com.